church on revival, and uh, and yet the passages we've preached, really the last three opportunities I've had to preach in Philippians have been wonderful messages in preparation for revival. Um, we've we've learned about um, uh, for me to live as Christ. That's a great revival passage. Um, Having the mind of Jesus Christ, Philippians chapter 2. Great revival passage. It's about thinking like Jesus Christ. And then uh, last week we had opportunity to look at obedience, attitude, witness, and sacrifice. Huh? Did you have your no complaint day? Uh, you forgot all about it, didn't you? Now you got to do it this week. And if you don't know what it's about, get online, listen to the message last week. All right? You need a no complaint day. Do all things without murmurings and disputings. But we're not turning there this morning. Friend Day is next Sunday. And I'd like you to learn a little bit about uh, friendship. John 15. John 15. And as you turn there, our young people will head out for a time in the Word of God in the upper room. So young people can head on out with the Wileys. Head on out with the Wileys. And so I hope you will, uh, you will not be too angry with me about not being in Philippians 2. Although there's some good things at the end of that chapter that we could look at. Um, just felt led to uh, dig into John 15 for a few moments this morning to encourage you, exhort you, and, and uh, just let God hopefully speak to your heart and life through his word. Let's pray and ask God to direct us. Lord, we need your help this morning. I need your, uh, your words to say. I need your spirit to guide my lips. And we need your spirit to make the truth known to our hearts. You said you'd guide us into all truth. You gave us the Holy Spirit for that purpose. And so we pray that, uh, I pray that he would have freedom to work in the heart and life of everyone here this morning, that they would listen to, respond to the word of God, that your spirit would be able to teach and that they would listen. And I pray that you do a work that I cannot do. I ask you to, to meet with us as you promised. We're looking forward to what you'll do in our midst this morning because you said that you would be in our midst when two or three are gathered. So work in our hearts, make us more like Jesus Christ, stir us about so the things we learn about friends in John chapter 15, and we will thank you for what you'll do. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. A preacher told a story about a public school teacher that his kids had. Uh, this is his public school teacher, a lost man that he was concerned about, wanted to come, he wanted the man to be saved. This teacher, though, was a very kind, compassionate, and greatly loved teacher. All the students just really went, just, just loved this guy. Well, here's the story he told. He said, Tony was one of the best-liked teachers in our kids' junior high school. During the summer, he did odd jobs, and one of those jobs was painting. So I had him help me paint our house. And as we did this job together, um, I learned a lot about his background, and a lot was very surprising. Tony told me he grew up in a very tough neighborhood, a neighborhood that was divided into ethnic groups, and there were ethnic gangs all over in that area. 
Uh, and um, he was, he said, a fighter. Um, most of the guys in his neighborhood as well were fighters. He said, Ron, five of my good friends died violently over a two-month period when I was just a teenager. Two more of his gang friends were serving at that time prison terms. And so the preacher said, Tony, how did you ever get out all that? How did you end up doing so well yourself? When all the people around you and the people you knew and the people you hung around with uh, were, were causing trouble and getting in trouble. And the preacher said, his answer blew me away. Tony, Tony told me what had made the difference. And when he did, he did something I'd never seen him do before. He had tears in his eyes. And he said, Ron, one of those friends who died was my best friend. There's a gang fight one night. A guy behind me had a blade. He intended it for me, but my friend stepped in front of it. My friend took my knife. And that changed the course of my whole life. Tony stopped speaking. After a few moments, the preacher responded. He said, it was my turn for tears. I said, Tony, maybe you can understand then why I try to live my life for Jesus Christ. It's for the same reason. My friend, Jesus took my knife and realizing that has changed the course of my whole life. The preacher telling his story gave a verse of scripture and then he shared these words. He said, I should have gotten the knife of God's judgment. After all, I should have to pay for the sinning I've done. But Jesus stepped in and took my knife and your knife. That death that Jesus died on the cross wasn't for his sins. He didn't have any. They were for my sins. They were for your sins. And so he concluded the story. He was right. And this morning I turn your attention to John chapter 15 and verse 13. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. There is no greater love a man could have, and no greater love a man could show than to be willing to die for another. Tony's friend made that sacrifice. And quite honestly, throughout history, you can find stories of people who have done the very same thing. But the greatest example of anyone who ever gave his life for another has to be Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ gave his life for all men. For all men are sinners and all men need salvation and all men are offered it because someone was willing to take our knife. Someone was willing to take our place. Someone was willing to pay the price that we might have life. The message today is basic, sim simple. There's nothing remotely profound that you're going to hear. Boy, you're going to just fall asleep on me then, aren't you? But it's of the greatest importance today. And the reason why the message is so important is because it came from the lips of Jesus Christ himself. He, in John chapter 15, was speaking to his followers the day before he was going to give his life and take, if you would, 
the knife for us. And Jesus was giving them, if you would, last-minute instructions, and these instructions are very important. Jesus is speaking to this group of people. He's going to be condemned to die by crucifixion, and he says, there's some things, gentlemen, you need to know. He starts back in John chapter 14, and he says, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. In, the, in John chapter 14, 15, and 16, he talks about how he's going to provide a comforter that's going to be with them because he's going to leave. And they need that comforter who's going to be with them all the time. And that is the Holy Spirit of God that he gives to everyone who by faith receives Jesus Christ. He's going to talk about numerous things in this passage, but he comes to John chapter 15 and he shares a very important truth that he wanted them to know. In fact, he's going to share it in these verses where we find greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Now, it's important for us to understand something as we begin. I'm going to share with you, actually, the, the, said the outline is very simple. The audience, I want you to see, first of all. I want you to understand, and you need to understand who he's speaking to. And there's a reason why. If you don't understand who Jesus is speaking to when he talks about friends in these verses you may come away with a wrong understanding about how someone is saved. These verses have nothing directly to do with the matter of salvation. Jesus is teaching a principle, he's teaching a truth that he wants the audience that he's speaking to to listen and learn. Now you say, well, why don't these verses have to do with salvation? And why are you saying this? Because some people misinterpret and misunderstand one of the truths Jesus speaks about friends in this passage, to say that someone is saved by the things that they do. Ye are my friends, verse 14, you'll see. If ye do whatsoever I command you. But if you understand the audience, you'll understand that Jesus wasn't talking about how someone is saved. They were already part of the family of God. You say, how do I know that? They were the followers of Jesus Christ. They were the disciples of Jesus Christ. He is meeting with them in John chapter 14, 15, and 16. They were his friends, if you would, already. And it's going to teach us some things about friend, friendship. But you need to understand that because, there's, uh, because many people misunderstand and think that someone's saved by what they do, and they are not. So they were friends of Jesus Christ. And it teaches us in this passage about friendship. They were his followers. They were people who already believed Jesus was the son of God. They were already part of the family of God by, by faith. They believed Jesus was the Christ. So they were his followers. They had heard his teaching. They had given their lives already, if you would, to follow him because they believed he was the son of God, that he was the Old Testament Messiah, the one that was promised by God that would come and give himself and be the savior of the world. Now, they didn't grasp that he was going to die on a cross the next day. A lot of confusion about that, even from his disciples. And they understood it, by the way, about four days later. Okay? Three days later. Well, four days later from this time, at least when Jesus is talking, because he rose from the dead on the third day. And they started to understand and comprehend that Jesus came the first time to die for the sins of the world. He died, he was buried, he rose again, and he provided a way for all men to be saved. He took our knife. But these are men that were followers. They were faithful people. They were friends of Christ, and they had faith. They were already saved. Faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. They had believed the truth about him. Just like Abraham, who was saved by faith, believing, 
So these men were saved by, saved by believing in Jesus Christ. We mentioned the truth last week. Let me share it real quickly with you and then we'll move on. Romans chapter 5 and verse 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. You know, no one is ever saved by what they do. A person is only saved when he realize, realizes, I can't do anything to get saved. And he comes to the understanding that God did something to provide for his salvation. He sent his only begotten son. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Jesus came into this world not to just be a good example, although he is a perfect example. He came into this world to save sinners. In fact, Paul said it that way. He came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. And when Jesus came into this world, he came with a purpose and a focus that he was going to die, he was going to be buried and rise again the third day so that anyone who believes on Jesus Christ can be saved. And my friends, you've got to understand that truth. And if you haven't, then today would be the greatest day you could ever have in your life if you'll come to faith in Jesus Christ and become part of his family. That's what God wants for you. That's what God desires for you. And this passage is not dealing with you if you're not saved here today. It is dealing with those who are believers, followers of Jesus Christ already, those who have faith in Jesus Christ. Now, let me just say it once again. Salvation does not come by works. Uh, the Bible says, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. In Titus chapter 3 and verse 5. And that is a wonderful gift that God offers to all who will trust in Jesus Christ. Now, that's the audience, okay? The audience were his followers. Jesus is going to teach his followers some important things, and he talks about friends. And since next week is, is Friend Day, it'd be important for us to understand what he teaches about friends. Notice if he would. Let me go ahead and read the verses here. Greater love hath no man than this, verse 13 says, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. So Jesus, in this passage, talks to his friends, and he gives them some instructions. He tells them some things they need to know. So then let's understand the appeal. What is the appeal of Jesus Christ? What is he teaching them? Well, it's kind of a misnomer if I say he's going to teach about friends because his goal wasn't to teach about friends. Now that you're totally confused, look at verse 12. Because verse 13, 14, and 15, and actually 16 as well, are magnifying and informing us some things that we need to know about what he teaches in verse 12 or what he brings out. This is my commandment that ye love one another as I have loved you. So the appeal Jesus is making when he teaches about friendship and friends in these verses, the appeal he's making is for these people to love one another. That is the appeal. Now, Jesus did a lot of preaching on love in these instructions to his, uh, his followers. Uh, in the Gospel of John, we see a lot about that. And we don't have time to deal with all that Jesus said about love. Jesus told his disciples it's important to love God. Uh, and we learn about that actually in verse 9. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. All right, so love, love me, he taught. 
in summing up the entire law, the Ten Commandments, and all the laws God gave in the Old Testament. You know, Christ condemned it. Uh, con condemned it, yes. Christ didn't condemn it. Christ condensed it. Different word means a lot different thing, doesn't it? Okay, Christ condensed it into two things when he con condensed the law. There we go. I got that word out, finally. Okay, two things. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus spoke often about the subject of love. He talked about how God so loved the world and that he loved the world. Jesus talked often about the subject of love. But the focus of these verses is not the love that God has for men or the command to love our neighbor as ourself or to love God necessarily, although loving your neighbor as yourself would include this. He's talking here specifically about having a love for fellow believers, those who are part of the family of God. He says that is vitally important. Now, that sounds simple enough, right? Love one another. It's not as easy as it sounds. I mean, because I'm lovable, but the people around me aren't. Okay, yeah, you get the point. The truth is, we can talk about loving one another, and we can make it sound like it's so simple, but we're all very different people in the family of God. We come from differing backgrounds. We have different, different thinking. And because of that, it's sometimes difficult. And so Jesus taught on this very important thing. And no wonder he made it a command. And no, no wonder he spoke about it a number of times. I mean, here's the profound truth, all right? Those who are part of the family of God should love those who are part of the family of God. That's it. Okay, message done. All right, no, it isn't. Sorry. Just stay seated. Don't get up yet, all right? There's something special, though, about being part of the family of God. There is a connection that God gives with fellow believers, and it's a wonderful thing. And I think about it almost every time we go on vacation. And here's the reason why. If we were going on vacation, we were flying somewhere, we would go and we'd get in this plane and we'd be packed with a bunch of people. And chances are there'd be very few people that we'll really talk with or communicate with at all as we're on this, on this airplane. We'll be in the airport with tons of people all around us. Very few people that we'll really converse with. You know, it's not like we're going to be talking with everyone. Now, there are a few people. Oh, Lord bless them. You know, there are a few people that are friends of everyone. You know, that they're sitting there and they're holding conversations with people all around them in the airport. But the truth is, generally, there's not a lot of connections with people. We may go and get on, we may be at the airport around a bunch of people. We may get on a plane and fly somewhere and be with a bunch of people. We, we will land at the airport and we'll be with a bunch of people. And we may be with a number of people all around us going to different things. We might go to, we might go to an amusement park or something to that effect and have hundreds of people around. Truth is, don't have a lot of connection with people. But whenever we go on vacation, if we're gone on a Sunday or if we're gone on a Wednesday, we go to church. And you should too. And we look for a church, a people of like faith, like this one. We look for a church of people who, who, who hold to and believe that the Bible is the word of God, who believe that a person is saved by grace through faith and trusting in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone and nothing else. 
We go to a church where they open the word of God and they preach the word of God and they sing the great songs of the faith and they, they do the things that Christians should do. And there's something amazing. You know, we can go on vacation. We can be around a bunch of people we don't know, we don't have a lot of contact with. But when we go to church and we sing the songs of the faith and when we sit in the service and they have a handshake in time, if they do, you know, it's almost like a, a, a terrible thing to do these days. But some of the places we've been to, it's an amazing thing how the truth of the matter is there's a connection. There really is. And it's a wonderful thing. And Jesus is talking about and dealing with, with in, in a sense, that connection. So that here, here's the truth. I can go on vacation and I have much contact with a lot of people or a conversation with a lot of people, but I could feel very comfortable with God's people at church in a place I've never been before with people I've never seen before. But there's a connection that people have because they're part of the family of God. And God speaks about that connection. He says, look, here's my command. I want you to know it's so important that God's people love one another. And you know why? Because there's not a lot of love from the world. And aren't we seeing that? There's just not a lot of love from the world anymore that you get. When you're part of the family of God and you stand up and say right is right and wrong is wrong. That if a man is a man, a, chi a child is a boy when he's born, he's a boy when he's old. It's just not a lot of, it's not a lot of popular things that you, you, you state that are true. That it's wrong for a man to love a man in, 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 that, in the sense of homosexuality. And it's wrong for a woman to love a woman in that sense. And when you get up and you say those things, there's a lot of hate from the world. And God's people need a place where there's love. And so Jesus taught on that very important subject. And he shares with them in this subject an important thing about it. This is my commandment that you love one another. And he tells you how to do it. How do you do it? As I have loved you. I don't know if you find that challenging. But if you think about Jesus taking your knife, it... Uh, it goes a long way in helping you understand what it means when Jesus said, love one another. Now look, if you're saved, you're to love God's people like Jesus Christ has loved you. So we have the audience. And we have as well here the appeal that Jesus Christ made in this passage. Now we have the annotation. See, what is that? What, I had to really dig for that word because <clears throat> you know you have to have alliteration an annotation is this it's an explanatory note and that is really fitting that is exactly what goes on in verses 13, 14 and 15 and he uses the lesson of friendship to teach us some things a little bit more about love it is, it is an explanatory note that Jesus gives and he uses three illustrations of friendship to explain a little bit and help us know what we need to know about this matter of love. And you might say, well, pastor, this sounds like a totally different subject when he says greater love hath no man than this. You may think so, but look at verse 17, if you would, because Jesus does not leave the subject of loving one another, does he? 
because he goes back to it at verse 17. So don't believe that verse 13, 14, 15, 16 are not related to the subject because he gets back and says, these things I command you that ye love one another. So in these sandwiched between these commands to love is this annotation that Jesus gives and he uses friendship as an example. So what are the things we learn about friends? What is the note? Well, how does he define or explain or clarify what it means to really love one another? Well, first thing we learn is that friends make sacrifices. There's the opening illustration. They take the knife. Friends make sacrifices. Greater love hath no man than this. Jesus, I believe, is speaking to the disciples saying, hey, look, I'm going to illustrate this matter of friendship. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man would lay down his life for his friends. You're my friends. And I'm going to lay my, down my life for you. That's what Jesus did. Look, Jesus laid down his life for you. And that sacrificial attitude is what God says is necessary if we're going to love one another. By the way, if you're going to love your neighbor as yourself, you have to have that self-sacrificing attitude. If you're going to love God as you are, you need to have that self-sacrificing attitude that says, I am not going to be the important one. I'm going to be willing to give up of myself. Friends make sacrifices. There is no higher express, expression of love that could ever be shown than for someone to die for another. But you know, a lot of times we ask the question, would you die for your friend? Like, yeah, I'd be willing to do that. But the truth is, some of us won't go, won't go next door to help them. So when God says, I want you to have this self-sacrificing attitude, he's not saying, would you die for your friend necessarily? But I think he's asking us, would we live for our friends today? Would we make sacrifices for them that they need? So they might be what God wants them to be. Look, do you love God's people at this church, those who are part of the family of God, enough to make sacrifices for them? That, that you're willing to give of yourself. Because that is the command, that is the instruction, and Jesus used this picture of a friend. You know, any friend that's willing to give their life is a true friend. Any friend that's willing to give of their time is a friend. Any friend that's willing to sacrifice themselves and put themselves aside for the good of, of their friend, that's a friend. That's the kind of friends I want, don't you? you know, I don't want the kind of friend that you call, you'd call them in the middle of the night and you have a real crisis, not, not one that's manufactured, but a real crisis, and they say, I'm sorry. I want a friend who's willing to make sacrifices. And Jesus said, that's an example. A friend makes sacrifices. And do you know what's amazing about Jesus' sacrifice? Well, he was talking to his friend. These were the men that were his followers, right? But you know Jesus' sacrifice wasn't for friends. They say, I don't believe that. All right, then take your Bible, turn to Romans 5. Do it just for a moment, would you? Romans chapter 5. I want you to see what's so amazing about the, the death of Jesus Christ on the cross for the sins of the world. Because the Bible tells us in verse 6, for when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. So that's the first word he uses to describe all men, because all men are sinners and all men are ungodly and all men need God. 
They have no hope without him. And it says, for scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. Which kind of ties into this. You're my friends, you know, because I'd be willing to die for you, and I'm going to die for you. So if, you, if someone was a good person, you might be willing to die. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You say, well, what's the big deal about that? Let me tell you what the big deal about that is. God is holy. There is no sin in God. God despises and hates and detests sin. And yet we're all sinners. So in reality, we were not God's friends at all. Jesus Christ died for people that were not his friends. They were sinners. They were people that had violated his law that said, God, I'm going to go my own way and do my own thing. And yet Jesus died for them. And if you look as it continues, uh, it continues on, it talks some more about, uh, about that fact. He says, much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were, ooh, what's that word? Enemies. So look, when Jesus died, he died well, he died for his friends, those who had already decided that he was the son of God, but he, he died for his enemies ultimately because we're all sinners deserving God's wrath and God's judgment and Jesus died for us. And that example is what Jesus kind of lays out before us and he says, I want you to love one another that way. Isn't that powerful? The explanatory note here is clear. Friends make sacrifices for friends and that's how we're to love fellow believers. And that's what Jesus did for you if you've never been saved. He loves you. And he died for your sins when you were his enemy. Friends, make sacrifices. Let's go back to John chapter 15. Because in verse 14, he says, Yeah, my friends, if you do whatsoever I command you. You know, friends obey. And here's what's interesting. Jesus didn't say, You are a friend of one another and you love one another when you obey them. Jesus said you are a friend of and you are loving one another as you ought when you obey him. By the way, a lot of people in Christianity don't understand that today. A lot of people in Christianity don't understand that today. You know, uh, the, the idea is we just love one another. It doesn't matter what someone's doing. doesn't matter how someone's living. doesn't matter how what, what, what activities people are involved in. We just need to love one another and it's kind of like this this mushy feeling that supposedly comes over you and and true love of people if i really love if i love people in this church do you know what i'm going to be doing i'm going to be obeying god's word if i really do because the best way for me to love people is to first be doing what god wants me to do because then i'll be able to freely love them as i ought and that's what he said in this passage he said you know what you're you're, you're my friends but let me tell you something. Here's what my friends do. My friends obey. Friends do what God has commanded. Commanded. And so I have showed you that I'm a friend. I'm giving my life. Now look, you reciprocate that friendship. You should by obeying me. So real friends, look, if I'm going to love one another as I ought, I need to make sacrifices, be willing to make sacrifices like Jesus Christ did, being willing to give my life for them. 
but if I'm going to make sacrifices as I ought and I'm going to be what God wants and I'm going to love them as I ought, the second thing Jesus says is I need to be willing to obey God because obeying God is of paramount importance if I'm going to love people as I ought in the church so that I need to be right with God. Friends, obey God. So you show your love for one another by being obedient to God. By the way, um, here's a challenging question, I think, when I come to this verse. Would Jesus call you his friend today, this morning? I'm not talking about salvation, but would Jesus call you his friend? Because you're a believer who's doing what he tells you to do. Anyone find that challenging about friendship with God? So, friends make sacrifices in our annotation. Friends obey. What's the third thing? Look in verse 15. He talks about friendship again. Henceforth, I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. So, friends make sacrifices. Friends, obey God and make following God and obedience to God the most important thing in life because you can't love people as you ought unless you do. And then the third thing is about friends is friends don't withhold truth. Friends don't withhold truth. You know why Jesus could call these men friends? It's not just because he'd make the ultimate sacrifice for them to save their souls but because he took time to share with them truth that they needed to know for their lives so that they could please God. Do you know a lot of people don't understand this principle either in this matter of love? We live in a day where you can't confront people about sin. Seriously, we already brought up a couple of subjects and I know they're, they're touchy subjects and people almost... It, there was a day when people wouldn't cringe if you said homosexuality is sin, it's wicked, it's vile, it's disgusting. But we live in a day where, where people, some pastors won't even mention something like that from the pulpit. But let me tell you something. I don't love people if I'm not willing to tell them the truth. If I'm not willing to say, hey, look, if, if you're a homosexual, I love you just as God wants me to love you, but I'm not going to tolerate your sin and say there's nothing wrong with it. See, when I love people, I'm going to let them know the truth that they need to know. And if that means that I go to a brother who's living in sin, who's, who's going to do something that is against Bible truth, then I go to that brother and I say, hey, look, here's what God says. Let's get on the right road. Can I help? And Jesus said, hey, I want you to know, I have shown friendship to you. I, I'm going to tell you how you love one another. And here's how you do it. You tell people truth. And do you know that the disciples were involved in that very thing? You look at the book of Acts. People got saved, they got baptized, and then they started to learn the truth. And you know where they heard it? From the people who were Jesus' friends who shared with them everything Jesus had taught them. And they loved these people. Friends, we love people when we're willing to make sacrifices for them. We love people when we make the choice that we're going to obey God and we're going to do what God wants us to do no matter what, even if it affects a friendship. We love people when we're willing to tell them, here's what God says and I want you to follow it. This is the truth. 
And whether you like it or not, whether you want to accept it or not, I'm a real friend because I'm willing to tell you that this is wrong, this is right. There is right and there is wrong. There is truth. There is error. There's good and there's bad. And you need to know those things because God says those things in his word. So let's learn from Jesus Christ. The command is love one another. And if we're going to love one another, then we have to be willing to make sacrifices for one another. And I ask you seriously the question this morning, are you? And if we are to love one another as we ought, then we're going to have to be people who say, I'm going to be obedient to God. No matter what it costs, I'm going to follow God. I'm going to do his word because if you love me, keep my commandments. And so I'm going to love God. And in loving God, I'm going to be able to love my fellow men because I can't love my fellow men like God unless I have a love for God and I obey him. And then that third thing is I need to be willing to tell my friend the truth no matter what it costs and whether it affects my friendship with them or not. Because if I love someone, I'm going to tell them the truth and I'm going to let them know what God wants them to know. So then you say, Pastor, this has nothing to do with friend day. Okay, let's make some application. Can we do that? Come to the final point of the outline. Wow, that's good. There's so much more that we could say about this passage. It's intriguing to see how this information about friendship in, uh, is, uh, deals with loving fellow believers. And I hope we tried to help you understand that truth. But let me share four applications you can make from what Jesus said about friends. First, thank God if you're his friend. If you have trusted in Jesus Christ, by the way, he took the knife for you whether you accept it or not. But you have to accept it in order to become, if you would, his friend. You got to come to the realization, I'm a sinner. Christ died for my sins. And you need to understand that you can't do anything but Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ in order to have salvation. And if you've done that, then rejoice in and thank God that you are his friend. And thank God that because you're his friend, you have the opportunity now to do what he said, and you have the opportunity as well to help others understand truth. So thank God if you're his friend. You know, when Tony teared up about a friend who died for him, there's nothing wrong or sinful for us tearing up when we talk about the one who took our knife. Thank God for if you're his friend. Second thing is, is continuation of thought. Be God's friend. If Jesus is my friend and he tells me what I can do to be his friend, then this is what revival is all about. Being a friend of God. Lord, you made me part of your family. I trusted in, in God. I, I trusted in your son, your only begotten son. And you gave me, he gave me eternal life. So now I just want to be an obedient Christian. I, I want to be your friend. You are my friends. If you do whatsoever I've commanded you. Hey, Christian, are you a good friend to God? I know we asked that question, but I'm asking it again. Would God say today, you're his friend because you're an obedient believer? And if not, then this is the day. This is the day to deal with those things that are not in line with God and his word. This is the day when you as a Christian should say, you've loved me. Now I want to show that I'm your friend. I want to be obedient. So thank God if he made you his friend. Then... Be God's friend. 
Third thing, and this is the focus of this passage, be friends to God's people. That's the teaching of this passage. Be friends to God pe God's people by doing those things. Make sacrifices for their needs like Jesus did. Be an obedient Christian, following the word of God on a daily basis. And then, uh, then being willing to tell people the truth no matter what it costs. Love of, Christ, of, of fellow Christians does not ignore the sins of fellow believers. It doesn't ignore the, the wrongs that are being done. The love of fellow Christians needs to be based on that which is truth. You know, a pastor shared an intriguing thought. I, 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 I thought this was good. He said, never join a church for friends. Now, that's, that was kind of actually in, intriguing when I, when I saw that, that statement. And he explained why in many ways, but here's what he said. Listen to this. In church, friendships grow and flourish in an atmosphere, atmosphere of mutual love for the Lord and study of his word. So he said, don't join a church if you're looking for a friend. Join one if you're seeking God in fellowship with others. Because if you are, you'll find friends. And that is so true. You know, a lot of people are looking at, what's church going to do for me? And I'm going to look for a place where I can get a lot of buddies and pals. And God says, you know what? Just worry about serving and loving me. And here's the truth. You will find a lot of friends if they have the same desire. And you're both doing the same thing. Growing to be more like Jesus Christ. Good challenge. So be friends to God's people. But, but don't miss this. If Jesus took this time to talk about friendship, and although the point was to teach us about how to love one another in the church, if God wants us to love our neighbor as ourselves, then we can make an application, can we not, about being a friend of, if you would, lost sinners? Look, the, the best way, if you would, that I can be a friend of lost sinners is if, is if I will, first of all, tell them about the love of Jesus Christ, that Christ took their knife. And, and here's the truth. The, the, the friends around us need that. And I know you say, well, it's try hard to sh share with family about Jesus Christ. I understand that. I get it. I know it. It's hard to share with people, and some people don't really want to talk about it, but the truth is, if your friend dies without Jesus Christ, you weren't much of a friend, were you? If you never told them. I mean, what would you think of someone who never told you that there was, if, if you had a best friend who knew that the road was out just up, just, just down the road from your house, and, uh, and they knew that, but they didn't tell you, and you went and got in a terrible wreck, you wouldn't think much of your friend, would you? You would think, well, you think, no, maybe they didn't know, or maybe they just they just forgot to tell me, which that wouldn't be something you forget to tell. Look, if you're a friend, you're going to tell them that there is a hell, that there is a judgment for sin, that there is coming a day when whosoever is not found written in the book of life will be cast into a lake of fire. That's no joke. When you read Luke chapter 16 and you read about how the rich man died and he went to hell, and you 
read about God's description of hell and how no one ever wants to go there. When you read in the Bible about how God loved the world and sent his son Jesus to die for sins so that men wouldn't have to go to hell. It's kind of totally ridiculous to think that anyone would not be interested in telling their friend about what Jesus did. Look, greater love hath no man than this, than that a man would lay down his life for his friends, and Jesus laid down his life. Be a friend of the lost world by telling them of the love of Christ and die on the cross. Be a friend to the lost world, number two, by living your faith before them, by obeying the word of God and being a Christian who isn't an excuse for not accepting Christ. I don't want to go to church with a bunch of hypocrites. Well, if that guy's a Christian, I don't want it. Be a Christian who's obedient to God's word because a friend does what the Lord commands and who lives it before a lost world. Be a friend that tells them the truth, not cowering from sharing the truth of the gospel because it might end their relationship, your relationship with them, but lovingly being willing to share with them the truth so they might come to faith in Jesus Christ. My friends, friendship is what is, is part of life. And there are a lot of things that Jesus Christ shares with us here challenging message from the lips of our Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ. The greatest friend you have ever known. If you're here and you're not part of his family, you need to be saved by faith in Jesus Christ today. If you're part of his family, then be the kind of friend to God's people like you ought. Be the friend of a lost world and be the friend of God. Let's pray. Father, I thank you.